the Fertility Podcast is here to help you understand more about your fertility and for the last eight years has published a lot of conversations with experts and people sharing their stories. It's now going back to its roots, giving you people's lived experiences once again to give you comfort in knowing there's a community of people who get it so you find commonality, be inspired and know you're not alone. Started by me, Natalie Silverman, a former patient, once I was pregnant after fertility treatment, I later joined forces with Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse consultant, who is now your host. And here she is. Hi, the Fertility Podcast is back. We're back after a bit of a summer break, and I hope that you've had and you're still enjoying your summer. As I record this today, it's actually a bit of sunshine outside for the first time in a good few weeks. So hopefully you're enjoying the time and have perhaps had the opportunity to get away on a nice little break. Um, what have I been doing? Well, we had a summer holiday quite early on in um, the summer, went away in June. So I'm kind of feeling like I need another break now already. So we have got a, a couple of nights coming up in a little teepee, which I'm quite enjoying. Um, but yeah, I just kind of feel I need a bit of sunshine. I'm not sure if we're going to get that in Somerset, but never mind. Um, but, you know, things have been pretty busy here at uh, YFJ HQ, for sure, Um there's actually been quite a lot going on in the world of fertility and I don't know how much you have found out about all the things that have been happening in the news and actually also on the television. I have shared quite a bit about it on my Instagram account but here's kind of a bit of a lowdown on things that have been happening. So quite early on in the summer uh, I heard about a documentary about fertility and I don't know if you watched it, but if you haven't watched it yet, please do. It's on Channel 4, and it's called Celebrity Save Our Sperm. And it had three celebrities that featured. One is Ollie Locke from Made in Chelsea. Then there's Radio 1 DJ Melvin Odum and comedian Russell Kane. I'm not going to give anything away, but it was a really good watch. They all had their sperm tested and then you kind of got, they they told them the results live on television, which was interesting watching it, and then really what that meant to them and what they need to do as a result. So definitely one to watch. I watched it with my 21-year-old son, and I was so pleased I did, because he kept pausing, because we watched it on playback, and he kept pausing, pausing the television and asking me questions which was just great so we had a really really good conversation um and maybe he's taken away some of the things from that which would be really important changes for him to make because he's a student and clearly doesn't have the most healthy lifestyle right now so that was really interesting so definitely recommend finding that if you can on playback as it was channel four so have a look for that so one of the really important things that have been released is that the government have published their NHS funded list around the UK. So this is really useful because you can find out really quickly whether your local integrated care board or ICB offers funded IVF and how many cycles they offer. And there are other parameters that they will talk about as well as whether they offer um, egg freezing, for example. 
So there's lots and also age and BMI, although BMI is the same across the board. But you can look at what the um, integrated care boards offer in your area. So that is really useful. You can find that on the government website. You can also take a look at my Instagram account and you'll find um, a listed there as well. So that's your fertility nurse. So take a look at that. And that could be that's information at your fingertips, really. So it's something we've not really had. It's not been visible before. So it's great that that is a lot more um, accessible and available. So you can see really quickly what you can get funded in your area. So the other thing to tell you is that after five years in the making, the independent report into the pregnancy loss review has been published. And this was a long awaited review, and I'm so grateful that last is here. So the review was led by two independent experts, Zoe Clark-Coates and also um, Samantha Collinge. And it's such an achievement that these two ladies have managed to to get this published. The review looks at options to improve NHS, gynaecology and maternity care practices for parents who experience a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy, a molar pregnancy or termination of pregnancy for medical reasons. And it actually makes 73 recommendations which are intended to support the NHS in creating a forward-looking approach to improve the safety and care experience for all those who have a pregnancy loss. And there's, there's obviously 73 recommendations. I'm not going to go through them all. There are certainly so many. But one of the huge things which is so important is that there's now a commitment for parents who've experienced pregnancy loss can apply for a certificate which will help mark the loss of their baby, which is amazing. There's also a commitment to explore how women who've experienced pregnancy loss can get better care. And also those experiencing multiple miscarriage can receive treatment and testing. So that's going to be explored. There's so much more, but it's just fantastic. Again, take a look at um, the review. You can find it on um, the government website. You can also find it on my Instagram. So have a look at that um, and see what information you can get from it. There is so much to talk about and it's just incredible. So I'm so pleased that last we have got that available. So... <clears throat> That's what's been happening, but let's talk about this week's episode. So this week, I'm joined by the lovely Sarah Banks, who is a fertility coach, and she's going to be talking all about the support that you receive, or let's be honest, the lack of support that you receive on the emotional side in your IVF clinic. So let's bring Sarah in. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Fertility Podcast. Hi Kate, thank you so much for inviting me to be on here. Well it's a pleasure, it's always lovely to talk to you and the reason why I was kind of quite intrigued to chat with you is both Sarah and I are on a uh, stakeholder group for the HFEA and it's a patient stakeholder group and if you're not familiar with the term HFEA that's the Human Fertilisation and Embryology Association and this association governs our fertility clinics, if you like, it regulates the fertility clinics in the UK. And on this group, every single discussion that we have, and there's what, maybe about 10 of us on the group, would you say, Sarah? Yeah, 10 to 15 usually. Yeah. Yeah. So different professionals from different areas um, of fertility who bring an awful lot to the group. And on each meeting that we've had so far, I can honestly say... The subject of 
support and sadly lack of support for couples and individuals going through IVF from their clinic is always raised isn't it? It is and it's across lots of different groups so that might be those that support people going through donor conception, it might be same-sex couples, Um, there's a lady on there that supports the Jewish community so there's always somebody feeding back about how people are finding there's a lack of support in clinics Um, and it's something we've been hearing for a long time isn't it? It really has and I think it's probably got worse hasn't it over recent years with the pressures following the pandemic um, and how staff are finding it very difficult in their in work environment and we're just so very busy and I, I don't really see how we can make it any better but it's something that you know is, is raised to me with my patients as well all the time is is this this kind of lack of support and and I think an expectation that they were going to get an awful lot more support than they do in their clinic and we're, we're not here to to you know cast aspersions at clinics or blame or anything like that we're just talking about an issue that really is there um and really present and I know Sarah in our HFA meeting you raised the fact that you've completed a, a, a survey of people to find out how what they thought of support in their clinics tell us a little bit about that because it just sounds so interesting yeah so it's something that I ran a few years ago so I ran it pre-pandemic um with my support groups so I run um local and national support groups and then I have a following across Instagram so I ran it ran it with my support communities um and as you said I feel like since COVID things have got worse because people clinics are trying to catch up with people who who haven't had treatment and everybody's busy time's lacking and that's when unfortunately the emotional support seems to to drop a bit um so I wanted to have some evidence really to show to clinics that this is how patients were feeling so I ran the the survey again so recently in the last couple of months so I've now got over 200 responses to it which is is just great that people are taking the time to fill it in but it gives really compelling evidence about how patients feel. So I asked them a number of questions, some qualitative, some quantitative, so that I could gauge how people felt. And when I said, how would you rate the level of support that you're finding in your clinic? Um, The average was 4.9 out of 10, which is just, is so low. Um, About 8.4% reported um, having levels of zero support completely in their clinic. Um, So I'd asked them that question. I also asked them whether they thought that their clinic had a culture of support. Um, And nearly 60% had said no, they didn't feel that their clinic had a culture of support where they put emotional support for patients as a priority. And unfortunately, this has got worse. I think it really highlights the fact that patients are expecting a lot more emotional support uh, and they're not finding it when they're in their clinics. And, And some of the comments because I asked them what could be done better what did you find wasn't particularly helpful some of the things are really difficult and the key things that came out were feeling like a number going through your clinic that you're on um, a production line and that actually they didn't feel very important to their clinics they were just a number and money coming in through the door which I think is really sad when we both know how how challenging and important fertility treatment is to people when they're going through it that's really interesting that you you mentioned about direct that you found that the expectation of support is now greater why why do you think that is did you get any kind of insight from the survey as to why that might be greater now than it was pre-pandemic I think on a number of reasons I think generally as um as 
a nation as people we are getting to expect more we, there's a lot more talk about mental health there's a lot more focus on uh, mental health whilst going through fertility treatment and the impact of it so I think people are expecting more because they're suddenly aware that there's a need to support but also p- people's treatments being delayed people are now older going through treatment than they really wanted to be because of the delays of the pandemic I think people are just expecting more from their clinics than just the success rates. I think if you look around, success rates are fairly static. And I think what they want and what they expect is to be supported through something that's a really challenging time. Patients are very vulnerable. They feel really overwhelmed going through treatment. And they expect that they will have that level of support when they're going through it to match the medical care. Yeah, you're absolutely right, because I I think it doesn't match that medical care, does it? The medical care can be superb, yet if we're not providing patients with much-needed emotional support, it's going to really fall down. We are absolutely delighted that this episode of the Fertility Podcast is sponsored by Ovum Care. And now I had a really, really interesting chat with Ovum Care, where they were telling me all about their patient app. So how many times have you had to wait anxiously for a phone call from your clinic or you've had to step out at a really important meeting to answer a call or perhaps you received some news at a time that wasn't suitable for you to process that properly? Fertility treatment is so, so disruptive to our lives and OvumCare are redefining the fertility journey by bringing their tech-enabled clinic directly to you and in the palm of your hands. The Overmap brings you live updates from your phone with things like your results, great educational resources, and this I think is really cool, a live feed of your embryos in their clinic. You also get 24 seven direct communication with your care team. So that could be your nurse, doctor, or embryologist. And this is via instant messaging or video call. So I think that Ovum Care are revolutionising fertility care and they're really reaching the pain points that I hear so much from all of you, which are difficulty in communicating with your clinic. So I think this is going to make a massive difference. So why not take control of your fertility journey and book a free consultation with them today? You can find out more at ovumcare.com. When you've approached clinics with this data, what's been their response and have they have they been able to make changes based on your survey? So because I've just run this, unfortunately it was run pre-pandemic and the clinic shut down, I wasn't able to go to them with the, the data at that point. I'm just starting to go to them now and they are interested in hearing it. Um, I mean, I've been working with clinics for a number of years and unfortunately with some of the clinics, and it ha- I have to say it has improved, the reception to kind of emotional support has improved. But I'm still finding that I'm speaking to clinics who are saying, well, we offer emotional support, we offer access to a counsellor. And it's instead of understanding that, that isn't the answer. I, and I think that everybody should see a counsellor at least one session when they're going through treatment. I think it can be really beneficial, but there needs to be a range of support. And I think clinics need to understand that. So it's not just a case of saying, oh, we're providing emotional support because we've got a counsellor. They need to have that range. So I am finding that when I'm approaching them now, there is much more openness to listening to to what's being said and the understanding that emotional support's important I think that we've turned a slight corner um but I think it, it, there's a long way to go still 
And I think what you said there about, you know, access to one, potentially one counselling session, but it shouldn't end there. And and not one size fits all, does it? Yeah. Some people don't feel comfortable about sitting in front of a counsellor and I had uh, I recently interviewed Sean from Nakamakas and as you know you know Sean and Sean is um, setting up as a a fertility coach for men and he talked about the fact that that could be often the most off-putting thing to be sat in front of a counsellor and it's not what everybody needs so when you talk about range of support what do you feel that clinics should be offering what types of support that might be different from just that counselling session I think it's offering a level because I completely agree we didn't see a counsellor when we were going through treatment um, and I think when I when I think back I think it was because I thought oh I, I don't need that I'm not that bad I don't need counselling because you have these connotations that you have to be in a really low place to need counselling and it isn't about that um it should be a case of seeing counsellors and and clinic signposting counsellors for those that need the support and encouraging people to try it at least once but it's not for everybody. And I think people need that range of support. So having something like a support group where you can talk to others who are going through it, you know that your feelings will be validated. There's no judgment because they're feeling exactly the same thing. And you can talk openly and honestly with them, with others who who really get it. Um, so support groups are a great way um, of supporting people. Having support resources that people can access so they maybe don't want to talk to somebody but they might like reading about something and different ways of coping and because it's a safer option for them they're not having to put themselves out there either in front of a counsellor or signing up to a support group I think nowadays there's so much more support in places like Instagram so even being able to signpost people to reputable accounts that the clinic feels that are trusted and they know won't be posting detrimental information being able to give people that option is great And I think there has to be a huge thing, and it's a lot of the work I do is working with clinics, about the staff understanding and being able to give that emotional support and creating that culture of support where the nursing staff, the consultants, the receptionists understand the need for support and are empathic with patients. And a lot of feedback I get is still that they're not getting that empathy from the staff. So even if they've got those support resources in place, it's really important that the staff are supporting and, and yes, they're busy and it can be difficult when you've got short short time appointments and things like that. And yes, they're answering lots of phone calls, but there has to be that level of empathy for patients to feel fully supported whenever they had that contact. Absolutely. And I suppose there's something around there about changing the culture within yeah. that clinic organisation, isn't it? And Definitely. it's it's very easy when you're busy, not right, but very easy when you're busy to, to not see that necessarily or view that as a priority because you've got a whole list of things that you've got to get through in that day. But actually changing that culture, because again, you can slot very quickly into that is the norm, but changing the culture of the organisation to, to be empathic is kind of where the work needs to be done, isn't it? Definitely, because if you've got a receptionist and you've got a patient who's really anxious and really worried, who rings up to ask a question and is is kind of told in a blunt way, well, you should know the answer to that, or they don't have the time to speak to them, or ring back later, or it's just, that's how it is, and it's it's tough, you know, and these are all things that people are telling me they've had said to them when they've rung it then puts them off ringing the clinic it reduces the trust they've got in them um some of the comments i've been told that consultants or nurses have said to people it's really hard to hear and patients really feel it and they then dread going in for their appointments they're worried that they're not going to have empathy that they're going to be told off for something or that somebody won't understand how they're feeling they can't ask questions on certain things and there has to be a culture um, in all clinics of understanding that 
patients are highly vulnerable um, and when they get upset it's because they feel out of control and you need to help them understand that but just em- be empathic with the information you're giving them when you're telling them bad news be empathic to it when they're ringing you and they're upset be understanding that it's probably taken them a lot to ring to ask those questions and actually what they need from you is just to be understanding and if you can't help them there and then tell them how you can help them when you'll be able to help them and it's that whole culture of of understanding and empathy totally agree and to to steal a phrase from uh, Mike from your surrogacy journey who I interviewed this morning choose your scaffolding wisely when it comes to the areas of support you need and I thought you know what that's brilliant and I'm definitely going to steal that because it is it's that those different elements of support whether it be a podcast um, an app a support group support that you can garner from your clinic friends family there's so much there's so much richness there isn't it and it's finding elements that suit you but also not just relying on one element but having I always kind of call it like kind of like a little bucket a strategy bucket in front of you whereas you can have all these different things that you dip into and pull out as and when you need them definitely and as you say it could be as and when you need them because you might find that certain support is better at certain points of treatment and you might find that you've got really supportive friends who are great to be around when you need distracting but actually you they're not very helpful at other times or you need to distance yourself from certain friends when you're going through parts of treatment because they're either giving you advice that isn't helpful or saying things that you find upsetting and triggering it's finding the things that work for you. So it might be that certain things like a support group is really helpful at certain points. But if you've had an unsuccess, unsuccessful cycle, you maybe want to book in to see a counsellor then. Um, and yeah, you might have that you've got an app that's great there for just general support. But actually, at some points, you need just something a bit more specific. And it is finding what works for you and also the things that don't work for you. So you know to avoid them at particular points in your cycle where you're struggling and you maybe just need somebody a bit more positive than the ones who are a bit more negative Um, and also I think having somebody other than your partner if you're going through treatment as a couple having somebody other than your partner to rely on is really important as well because it can become really intense and overwhelming and you both may feel differently going through treatment at times and it can add resentment at times going through treatment it can put a lot of pressure on one another if you're also trying to keep each other going so I think having somebody or some form of support outside of the your, yourselves as a couple is really important to help you both get that support you need individually often you're just not on the same page are you when it comes to the journey so I totally agree with you it's important to make sure you've got other avenues to talk about now I know Sarah because I know you I know that you <laughs> went through your own fertility journey yeah. um and I, I'm intrigued as a result of that is that kind of what helped you develop your IVF planner which is another resource to add into the list of resources that are available (laughs) that's true Uh, completely all the work I do now has been driven by um, our own personal journey so we went through six years of struggling um, and two cycles of IVF to get our son um, I had OHSS through it and the range of emotions and the lack of support when we were going through it because we didn't know anybody who was going through it or even struggling to get pregnant let alone going through treatment things have improved so much since then but there was such a lack of support that once we'd finally been successful you know which we're forever grateful for um, I wanted to do something to change that so I retrained to be a coach so I'm a fully qualified coach and um, I set up support groups locally and nationally to provide that support 
And then the one thing that I really wished I'd had when we were going through treatment was something I went to see a, a coach and she wasn't a fertility coach, but she really helped me. But I wanted to take control. I wanted to get out of the rut that I felt in. I felt like I didn't want to see a counselor because I wanted to take action and move forward and have a plan to change how I felt that I felt so low and so stuck in my life that I wanted to to make a change. So the planner was created out of that. It's a, it's a coaching book combined with a 12 week journal. And I wanted something where, yes, you could journal each day, but it was very much about focusing on the things that brought us joy, the positivity around it, and trying to look at each day. And I know there's really negative connotations with stay positive um, when you're going through treatment. It's, it's not about that. It's about focusing on the things that you can control. So what thing can I do tomorrow to help my fertility journey? What thing can I do tomorrow that will be kind to myself? Um, and I wanted to combine it with action plans so that people could move forward um, in whatever they, way that was, but just being happy whilst going through fertility treatment. So it, it helps your goal set. It looks at different activities that focus on you as a person, what an amazing person you are outside of fertility treatment. Um, and it's got a whole treatment section in it. So I've created it based on what I needed when we were going through treatment, but also the thousands of women that I support, I've created it based on what they tell me that they need when they're going through treatment. Brilliant. Sounds fantastic. Um, and we'll make sure we'll put all the links in the show notes as well so people can find you and the IVF planner because it sounds like a wonderful resource, like I said, to add to everything. What would be your advice if someone listening to this today really felt that they weren't getting the support from the clinic that they feel that they need? Maybe they've got some support from other places, but actually really want to get some professional support as well and would like to access that from their clinic, what would you, would your advice be? I'd always advise people to speak to their clinic as a starting point um, because I think the clinics don't want to be doing a bad job of emotional support. I think quite often it becomes secondary to medical care um, because that is their focus. Um, but a lot of the time, I don't think they ever mean to upset anybody or make treatment more difficult. So I'd always say, speak to your clinic, tell them how you're feeling, that you're struggling. And I think a lot of us don't want to say anything because we're afraid they won't treat us or that it will reflect badly on us. But it's really important to feed that back to them and just say, I really feel like I'm not getting support through treatment. Is there anything you can recommend? Or um, just letting them know how you're feeling because they won't want to be intentionally upsetting you. So feeding that back to them will let, let them work out how else they can help you. If you have access to a counsellor there, you can ask them for an appointment and you can book in. But if you feel like you haven't got that support there, I don't want to see the counsellor there. You could also look on the um, the Beaker website, which is British Infertility Counselling Association, um, because they have um, lists of fertility counsellors who are local to you so that you could choose somebody that's not linked to the clinic if you felt that you needed that support. Um, and as I say, there's so many different resources out there that you can look at um, to get outside the clinic. But I would also say speak to your clinic because you want them to be supporting you and just letting them know might make all that difference. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, again, a bit like 
we were saying one size doesn't fit all and I think it's horses for courses to who would prefer to see a counsellor and who would prefer to see a coach and yeah. you know as both you and I know a coach is very different to a counsellor and, and we work in very different ways but it, it really is what you feel you need at that time and it could be that it's one or the other or something completely different it's understanding that as well isn't it definitely I think it's worth looking at what's out there and you know speaking to different people because there's so much different support and yes definitely as I said before we didn't see a counsellor but I did see a coach because whether it was my lack of understanding about and how a counsellor could help me but I felt a coach would help me create an action plan and be much more action focused which is what I needed other people especially if you experience loss and things like that then counselling might be right for you but it's finding what what's right for you look at the support that your clinic offers look at what else is out there outside of your clinic and pick what's right for you I think one of the key things I would always say to anybody is get support of some kind it makes the journey just so much easier if you've got other people who understand and can support you through it so whether that is friends and family if you feel comfortable telling them whether that's a support group whether it's somebody more professional such as a counsellor a coach therapist uh, whether it's a holistic therapist things like that there's so many different options around yeah I think I think there's a real tendency isn't there just to think that we can cope and get on with it and I suppose you're a really good example of that yourself you thought well I don't need counselling I'm okay but actually I'm sure now in retrospect you think I wish I wish I'd got that support at that point luckily you did get coaching and I think it's it's so important to to realise that this is a big thing and it's much better to get that support much better to talk and I always kind of go back to the fact that there have been obviously horrendous negative things that have come out of the pandemic but one of the good things is our ability to talk more about our mental health mm. and that's something that we didn't do as a, as a nation before and, and that is beginning to change which is great um, so long may that continue thank you Sarah so much for talking to me today I really appreciate it. it's been really interesting getting your take on support and within clinics and how people can actually go about getting more help should they need it so thank you so much oh thank you for inviting me to speak it's been lovely as always so there you go that was all about support or should I say lack of at your IVF clinic which is um, interesting I'd love to hear what your experiences of emotional support from your clinic have been it'd be really interesting so feel free to get in touch and let me know there is an opportunity if you would like to to complete sarah's survey and you can find that on if you go to her instagram account which is ivf positivity planner and click on her on her bio and then link tree on her bio scroll down and you'll see where it says support survey Um, she tells me it takes anything between two and ten minutes to complete depending on how much information you want to give Um, but it would be amazing if you would um, be happy to provide some information I'm sure it'll all be anonymous um, but it would be great to get a great understanding of what it's been like for you and if this information then goes to the HFEA it's going to be really really valuable to hopefully make some changes in the future So as I mentioned, all Sarah's links will be on the show notes. Um, You you can go and check her out on at IVF Positivity Planner on Instagram and connect with Sarah um, and find out a little bit more about her. So that's it for today. Uh, See you in a couple of weeks. Bye for now. 
please do rate and review the podcast as it's brilliant for other people to know what you think. Even just hitting follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast really helps other people know it's worth a listen. Also follow Kate on her Insta, which is your fertility nurse. And if you'd like to book in a consultation with Kate to understand more about your fertility and reproductive health, visit yourfertilityjourney.com. 